What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I have some names for what I want to do with this sh- like mini show on the Chase Thomas podcast. Ryan Shumpert, uh, who is here? That's who I'm talking to right now of the UT. Daily Beacon. We both go to UT, different levels, but uh, yep. that is that is what we do. Uh, Ryan, good afternoon. How are you? Pretty good. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Excited to uh, enjoy a full slate of college football tomorrow, not having to cover a game, and then uh, get back and see what the Vols have in store for the second half of the season. I'm so excited we don't have to look at any Vols this weekend. <laughs> like, I, I'm just... I've had conversations about this this week. I, I don't know where you are on the Jared Garantano experience but um i get annoyed when casual sports fans who like i take so many notes i watch every game i'm going back through i'm taking like i'm really doing everything i can to try and paint a full picture here with what's going on with tennessee and what goes on with garantano and then i have so many tennessee relatives and i have so many tennessee friends that i encounter that just are like he sucks got to put in somebody else and i'm like okay I, I, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Like, there's a lot more to it. And then this week, um, my sentiment that, like, hey, maybe that Greg Schiano guy with uh, Tennessee Resources might have been uh, might have been a better option. Uh, we're in year three, and uh, he is in year zero in uh, Rutgers and uh, just beat Michigan State on the road. I I don't know. I, I I'm very concerned at the moment, but I do think it's it's complicated. Are you dealing with a lot of people in your personal life that are like, hey, what's going on? Why, why is Jared Garantano still playing? What, he sucks. That's going to solve everything. Do you experience the same thing? Less of that's going to solve everything, but a lot of the why is he playing, explain to me why he's playing, and no answer I give is, is very satisfactory, and that's what I think is going to be interesting watching the second half of the season is the fans are you know, pretty unanimously – you know, ready to see someone else play better or worse. And it seems like Pruitt's going to keep on writing JG. So if this second half of the season doesn't go well for him, I think he's going to lose a lot of the fan base, um, which makes it a very fascinating five games for, you know, the importance of Tennessee football going forward. Well, we'll get into the schedule because I don't know if Tennessee fans have looked at this SEC post-buy schedule. Um I I think three and seven is on the table. Do you? Have you looked at these remaining five games? Yeah, I have. I mean, I think three and seven is on the table as like a possibility. It wouldn't I don't think that's the most likely record. Um Well let's go through it. Let's yeah, go through I the think... schedule. Tell me which games they are going to be favored in down the stretch here. Which games the Tennessee football team who sit at two and three in the SEC East are going to be favored in from here on out they travel to arkansas arkansas will be favored correct i would agree with that yeah okay texas a&m at home who will be favored in this game 
I would think Texas A&M. At Auburn, who will be favored in this game? I think both the Auburn and the Arkansas game, Auburn slash Arkansas will be favored by about a field goal, maybe a little bit more than that. That's my guess, a, a week and then three weeks out for those two lines. Vanderbilt on the road. I would think Tennessee would be favored in that one. Yeah. And then Florida at home in the cold. You'd have to think Florida. I mean, I don't. Yeah. So where there's no, no debate on that. Where is five and five coming from? Do you, there's not three wins on the table here. I think you need to go ahead and cancel out three wins. The Tennessee Volunteers threw away their bowl season by losing to Kentucky at home. Like I don't, I don't know where you're getting three wins from. You're not beating Vanderbilt, Arkansas, and Auburn. Like I don't think you're getting all three. Like there's no way. Well, well, one, I would say five and five is not my prediction. I think they'll go four and six. But the way I handicap it, mm-hmm. I think that Florida game is almost definitively a loss. Yep. I think the A&M game is winnable if things go right. I'm writing it down as a loss. I think it's unlikely. To me, the Vanderbilt game you should win, and then the Arkansas and Auburn game, to me, are basically about pickums. You know, Auburn, Arkansas will probably be favored by a little bit on the road. But I think both those games are very winnable for Tennessee. So, in my opinion, I think they probably win one of those games, beat Vanderbilt, get to four and six. But I wouldn't say it's impossible for them to win the Arkansas and Auburn game. Now, you know, not a lot of what Tennessee's done on offense the past month inspires confidence from them in that in that light. But those teams that, that have some problems, Arkansas teams in the league, but Auburn I mean, could easily be one and four right now. So, it's not like this, but Auburn isn't without its problems as well. But they have the devil magic working. Like Auburn should be one and four, and uh, they are they are three and two. Um, and the last time Tennessee went to Auburn, things went well. But uh, I don't know if uh, lightning strikes twice twice there. I'm I I'm just gonna go ahead and pencil that one in as a loss. Like Arkansas being sneaky good was a really bad development for Tennessee's new schedule. It, it's funny you go back and think about week one, kind of the. You know, because you know first week every every year, especially in the SEC only thing, you're over-magnifying what happens week one. You know, this is the team. You look back at that Arkansas-Georgia game, everyone was panicking, saying Georgia was, was no good, and obviously they had a lot of offensive problems with Dwayne Mathis there in the first half. But more than anything, that's proven how solid Arkansas is, what they have been were able to do to stop the run in that game and be, you know, competent on offense, which they haven't been the past two seasons, was a – really foreshadowing going forward. I mean, they've they've really played pretty good in every game they've played, even the losses. Yeah. Um, so when you watch all these games this fall, how much of this, in your estimation, falls on Garantano? How much is it to blame for what he is doing under center, for the pick sixes, for the just topsy-turvy play? How much of it actually falls on Garantano, in your opinion? Um, I mean, I think the Kentucky game, it's hard to – maybe Kentucky wins that game, but those two interceptions and the fumble, which I'm not sure you can really say was his fault, but it was completely changed the game. And, you know, you're playing Kentucky, the last thing you want to do against that offense is give them a big lead and let them just milk the clock. And obviously Tennessee really didn't show up at all in the second half either. That game could have been winnable. But, I mean, he wasn't going to – Garantano wasn't the problem, the main problem that Georgia second half – he hasn't been the only problem all season. You're talking about games that he's cost them. How much of the problems is him? I think the Kentucky game, they probably would have won with a different person at quarterback. 
you know, maybe not someone on this roster, but I think that's where I think it goes. You got to blame the coaching staff more that in year three, you've seen this guy and you knew what, what he had his, he'd done in the past. He was capable of losing you games. He lost, you know, to a degree the BYU game last year was really fell on his shoulders. So you knew that was possible and the coaches decided to ride with him. So I think that's, that's really where the blame falls, but JG certainly hasn't played great this season. Do you think he's the starter the rest of the way? Does would you play? What would you place the over under that JG starts every game remaining on Tennessee's schedule? Well, I would. Man, that's a good question. I'd say about fifty fifty because I think it honestly comes down to if I think they're going to ride with him. If they lose that Arkansas game, they lose that Auburn game. You know, early in November, I think that's when you could, you would see them make a move. But if they find a way to win those games and kind of keep, you know, five and five or four and six on the table. I think they may ride it all the way out with them. They certainly don't seem to have any confidence in anyone behind them. You don't actually have to burn a red shirt for Bailey, right? Because isn't everyone who plays no. this fall, they get an extra year of eligibility anyway? Isn't that how this works? Yeah. Okay. Correct. So, there's no, there's no red shirt situation. So that's, that's be why I'm just that's like, reason why they shouldn't play him. Yeah, so I don't, because that was always an interesting thing, especially the last couple of years where they changed the rule where you could play a couple games before you had to decide yeah. if you're going to redshirt him. So, like, I, I don't really know why you wouldn't use these two weeks to give Bailey, who has been limited in reps, just give him all the first-team reps in the world. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see what you have here coming out of a bye, because you already haven't had much practice, and JD has already had so much time with the first team. Why not just overload Bailey with first team reps and see what he does? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Especially this week when you're not in game prep, you're just in fall camp mode. I don't see any reason that. I mean, Garantano should be getting many reps at all. I would really think you'd be splitting them between Harrison Bailey and Brian Maurer, especially with as much as Pruitt's talked about how the time they miss. They hate fall Brian Maurer. <laughs> yeah. There's some. There certainly seems to feel like there's some truth in that sentiment, but <laughs> which I don't blame them. You know. He's like the guy who, <laughs> he's the dude who shows up for the SAT on Saturday morning and gets a solid like score to get into like Tennessee or um, Florida, but he didn't study at all the night before. He skipped all the the planning. He skipped taking the LSAT. He he overslept. He stumbled right in. He tried to talk to some of the people next to him because he ran into some friends at the at the event. Like he is someone that would drive any Proctor coach crazy because it seems like he is. He goes in. He's like, yeah, whatever the play call is, uh, I'm not doing any of that. So with the way Tennessee runs their offense, it, everything is so calculated with Cheney and so complicated that it's like Mauer is like the antithesis of that. It seems like so I understand why they're like, yeah, no, we're good on this. Yeah, it's it's funny. Brian Maurer had his. We I think we talked about this this summer. How just it, no matter what he does, how exciting he is to watch. And his drive against Alabama, the one play he ran, which I think was Tennessee's longest run of the game, he got 14 yards. I mean, he gets hit. He looks like he's going to die every single time. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's just violent contact with his body flailing in different directions. But no, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head while talking about this is not working in Cheney's offense. You see a lot of college football offenses now, probably less than the SEC, that can really simplify it. And for a quarterback with his Mauer's arm talent and his athleticism, you really can simplify it and do some things effectively and make the game a lot easier for him. But that's not what how Jim Chaney runs his offense. That's not what he, he wants to do. So he's riding with Garantano, who 
mentally has knows what to do and understands the offense, but at what point does you kind of have to go with talent over what you know? And that's the, the question right now for, for Tennessee, and it looks like they're going to ride it out with Garantana. The one positive, I will say, coming out of that Alabama game, was Jalen Hyatt. Um, he's He should be a dude. Like, there's no excuse not to target him deep. Like, he was open a bunch. I don't know if you looked. Oh, he film. was. Like, he's open. That guy is going to be very, very difficult to cover in open space for the Vols for the next couple of years. And I'm excited about him. Um, it's just, like, he's not, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Jalen Waddle, but this dude moves like him. He is got the speed of Anthony Schwartz at Auburn. And I just think you need that guy now every year in your offense, especially in the SEC, to take the te- the, the top off defenses. And Tennessee has to use him. Tennessee has to put the fear of Jalen Hyatt on these defenses. Like, he's young, and you didn't want to give him too much, but, like, there is no excuse not to use this dude a bunch. Um, no, no, let's not do any end arounds. The end arounds don't work. But if you're not taking three or four chances deep with Jalen Hyatt, I just, I don't, I don't understand. Like, this dude is going to be a problem for years to come. I'm very excited about Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, he's a guy that they haven't had in their offense in a long time yeah. that can really take the top off the defense like that. I mean, Callaway could do a degree, but not with quite just the raw speed that Hyatt has. And if he continues to develop more and get more comfortable, and Josh Palmer's had a really good season too. I think that seems to me like that really could be the identity of Tennessee's offense, just throwing the ball down the field. Is For all of Derek Garantano's issues, he throws a pretty good deep yeah, ball. Yeah, sometimes doesn't get it out on time but when he does it's a good piece you see him throw a lot of really good throws this year his touchdowns the palmer and hyatt saturday were both good throws so i don't understand i'm like you i don't understand why tennessee doesn't try to take more shots the receivers really struggle to get open and you know medium and short routes it seems like they they really haven't been able to drive down the field at all this season with the pass game it's always been to run and then they've just hit hit the big plays in the passing game I, i don't see why they shouldn't be taking more shots especially as Hyatt gets more comfortable in the offense, and they develop a bigger role for him. I kind of want to go back through all my game notes of how many times they've targeted uh, Keaton and how many times they've actually completed a pass to Keaton. I, I want to say Garantano's car- – like, he finally gave up targeting him the last couple weeks, but, like, his targets <laughs> – it's just like – I swear it's like 17 targets and two catches. Keaton, I don't know if it's his fault – um, he doesn't really like contact, and he doesn't really like going after and getting footballs. Um, it seems like he's a guy who's only going to make plays if he's wide open. But uh, I don't know. Have you noticed that, too, whenever they target Keaton? Yes. That it's, he's not coming down with the football. I felt like the first two games, maybe the Georgia game, too. I felt like the first two games, there were like seven times they targeted him where he was open, and it was either a bad throw or he just dropped it. And that theme can, has continued. I know he had one Saturday, I think, on a third down that, you he know, there, like you said, there was some contact on a hitch route or something that he dropped. But now I've com- completely noticed that theme. I think you're you're on top of it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm good. Um, I don't know. I just I, I, Do you think D'Angelo Gibbs would have been a difference maker this year? Do you think losing him was sneaky more important than we've let on? It's hard to say. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking about a guy I've never actually watched play receiver besides some, you know, spring practice routes on air, basically. Um, you know, I know that the expectations or hopes for him were pretty high going into the season, and then right around the start of fall camp, they 
it sounded like he wasn't going to be a difference maker. Now the question is, was he not going to be a diff- did he not play because he wasn't going to be a difference maker, or were coaches saying he wasn't going to be a difference maker because they got the idea that he wasn't going to play? That's what I don't really know. I don't think it's a huge, huge deal, but certainly another another option to have. And they've struggled to find con- consistent players there behind Josh Palmer. Love me some Josh Palmer. The bucket bombs down the right side. One of my favorite things. Yeah, keeps me sane. Four. Four of them between 28 and 38 yards for touchdowns, all down the right side. Oh, would you like to guess how many Tennessee plays have gone for 80-plus this season? Right, say that. Uh, I didn't get that. How many, uh, how many plays would you like to guess Tennessee has had of 80 or more this season? Of 80 or more? Mm-hmm. I don't think they've had any, have they? It's zero. That is correct. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they've had a play over... 50 yards hardly that's like the most annoying thing is um i, I want to pull this up because there's some really sad vanderbilt stats in this because vanderbilt just poor poor guys uh, it's just poor Derek mason it, it turns out ted roof and changing the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator this offseason did not solve vanderbilt's talent problem um i really want to pull this up but um yeah no tennessee the lack of explosive plays is something that i've written down a lot is just that's why Jalen Hyatt is just so important. And also just splitting Eric Gray out wide. Like uh, it's like once a game where we just have where they Jim Cheney's like, you know what? I haven't had an Eric Gray drive in a while. Let me just give him the ball nine straight times, either on the ground or through the air. And let's see what happens. It's like they forget that he just exists for a little bit. And they're like, we'll, we'll try Ty Chandler up the middle for second and, and eight and get two more yards. Or, you know what? Let's start on first down. Eric Gray, five yards. Eric Gray, six yards. Eric Gray, 10 yards. Eric Gray, um, five yards again. And then they just go away from it. It's how they use Eric Gray is one of the, the weirder things outside of Jalen Hyatt on this on this team. Do you agree? Yeah, to a degree. And I think really the, the problem, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about the quarterbacks. They What they want to do, especially with this offensive line, is sit there and run downhill and Tennessee doesn't really have a downhill running back. I mean, Tim Jordan was that guy last year, and he obviously got kicked off the team this summer. Eric Gray is a small, kind of shifty guy. Get him out in space. I don't. I'm like you. I really think they should throw the ball more to him. He's been pretty good in those those situations this year. And Ty Chandler's kind of the same way, a little less versatile, more just straight line speed. So there, there's been so many times this year where, in Pruitt's talked about it a little bit. I think Tennessee has five yards on a run they get five yards you don't see those guys break many tackles between the boxes and, and pick up more yards but I will say you're right there have been a couple of drives I think the Kentucky drive their only touchdown drive and I think they had about two in the Missouri game where they just kind of turned and went went right to Eric Gray and went right down the field Tennessee is tied with Vanderbilt in this this stat um how many plays that they have had of 40 or more this season I'm guessing Tennessee's only had two or three. I have just the generic stat play or stats pulled up right now. So I see their longest play is 48. Yep, it's one. I mean, they have one. Okay. Yeah, it seems Vanderbilt like also has one. 30 passes. Okay. Very explosive offenses in, in Tennessee this year. UCF has 13. SMU has 12. Bama has nine. I mean, when you look at just the the 10 plus yards i think is still the most interesting because uh byu bama clemson they're all just oklahoma that's where you want to be you want to be in that zone where you just your first down machines and 
Tennessee's offense does not work that way. Tennessee's offense is um, is sad. They're 59th in the country. They are 59th in uh, 10-plus yard plays. I mean, that's just – the offense just hasn't been good. And Cheney, I – I don't know. I want to ask you: Do you, if you had to guess, if Jim Cheney is back next year, what would you guess? I would guess no. I would guess. I would guess yes. Interesting. I just okay. think. I just still think there's a trust level there between Pruitt and I think Pruitt feels now. Granted, if the rest of the season goes really bad, maybe he doesn't feel this way. But Pruitt feels more comfort there than he felt, especially with Tyson Helton that first year. He really did not like working with Tyson Helton and. He was getting involved in the offense that season. I think he likes trust Jim Chaney to to leave it to him. And I think the instability of who you go out and get, especially with what's Tennessee's budget going to be, are they going to be willing to go pay a lot? And also Tennessee's going to pay the buyout of Jim Chaney during the pandemic. I don't particularly think so unless things just go really, really poorly down the stretch. Hmm. I maybe it's just because I'm betting on things going poorly. I don't want this to be the case, but I I don't like someone's getting fired for three and seven, and it's not going to be Pruitt. Like someone's getting fired by Fulmer for three and seven, and I don't think it should be Ansley. Like this defense has been like they still need some pieces back on the back end. I love Bryce Thompson, but like him missing that interception by just being one second late um, in the Bama game and things like that. Like you're just like oh my god. Um, they don't really force a lot of turnovers and they just don't get a lot of pass rush. Like, I don't, I don't understand why this team cannot force any pressure. Like they, the amount of conversations that, uh, Danielson was talking about, uh, Johnson going into the Alabama game. I'm like, he's not gonna be a difference. Maker. Have you watched like Mac Jones gonna have time? Like, I, I don't know what uh, we're doing here. Mac Jones gonna have time to throw. Like that is something that's going to happen. Tennessee's pass rush. It turns out was not fixed by Jeremy Pruitt taking over this season. Well, yeah, I mean, you, that was one of, I had an article this week that was six stats to kind of explain Tennessee's first half. Tennessee had four sacks in the opening win over South Carolina. DeAndre Johnson had three SEC defense alignment of the week, all that. They've had six stats or six sacks in the last four games. They have really no pass rush. They failed to replace uh, Daryl Taylor, you know, went to the NFL as a sack leader last year. And you look at their defense, I think that's kind of been a consistent theme. Those seniors that stepped up and really played well in the second half last year, they've really struggled to replace them. Nigel Warrior at safety, Tennessee safety's play has been very, very bad this year. Now, obviously, Henry Toto filled in for Daniel Batuli, but that second linebacker spot hasn't gotten great play out of Jeremy Banks or Clavaris Crouch, and especially in the passing game, what we've talked about, they've just gotten killed over the middle of the field and the combination of having not great linebackers and coverage safeties that aren't playing as well and no pass rushes just is really, really led to some problems for Tennessee's defense. Yeah. I don't, it's all just, they're just boring. That's what I'm so mad about. Bad and boring is just very boring. That sucks. Like they're just bad and boring and that is not a place to be like Ole Miss is kind of bad and fun. And, uh, Tennessee is just bad and boring. Um, last thing and we'll wrap up here. What is this has probably been the most perplexing thing to me this season is the O line. And Cade Mays has been in different spots. They're moving guys around, but like there are four or five stars in this offensive line. And just seeing the trouble that they've had against certain defensive lines in the SEC this year, like what would you say to fans who are like, We finally have the talent on this offensive line. We have the big bodies. 
Garantano should have time. We should be able to run the ball down people's throat. Eric Gray should be averaging 120 yards a game. We should feel like he's Kamara 2.0. Like, why is this offensive line struggling this much? Why is good? I mean, that's a question I'm not really sure. They've had some guys injured, but they, you know, that was one of the best things about this offensive line. They had tons of depth, tons of guys that had played. So that shouldn't have caused the level of play that we've seen. I think the biggest thing is really they just don't have high-end offensive tackles. They had the two sophomores, the two were five stars coming in and started last year. Wanya Morris missed over two weeks of fall camp, and he's been good in some games, but was really bad in the Georgia game. And then Darnell Wright is a guy that I think really suffered from having to go home due to COVID. He came back 30, 40 pounds overweight. He's a from country of West Virginia, kind of a country strong type of guy, not weight room. And he's, and he's really struggled at right tackle. And, the other guy they've tried there a lot is Cade Mays, and Cade Mays is a good player, but he also cannot – I mean, you will go back and watch that Sugar Bowl last year when he was playing left tackle for Georgia. He's, he's not great at playing tackle against, against high-level competition. So, to me, that's it. They're not great on, at offensive tackle, and against the good teams they've played, they've gotten really exploited in the pass rush, and this really even happened some against – happened some in the Missouri game and definitely happened a little bit in the Kentucky game too. Last thing, and we'll go. Gun to your head. How does Tennessee go the rest of the way? Make some game picks the rest of the way. How does this go? I will go Arkansas loss. Is it A&M or Auburn first? A&M first, then Auburn. Is that right? No, you got to go Arkansas first. Oh, are you talking well, about... Arkansas, um, Arkansas yeah, no, it's A&M yeah. first, then Auburn, yeah. Okay, yeah. Arkansas, I think, is a loss. A&M's a loss. I'll say they will be, win the Auburn game, win the Vanderbilt game, and then lose to Florida. All right, four and six. Four and six, what is what is the reaction in Vols country? I think there's going to be some, some pessimism. I don't think people are going to be happy, especially if you see Garantano play the rest of the season at the level that he's played the first half of the season. And I think the big thing to watch after that will be can they – salvage the recruiting class, you know, hold it on as a top 10 class. And that's the thing. You got to, you can only sell hope for so long in the recruiting trail. And Tennessee is trying to build a team the way Alabama is, the way Georgia is, and trying to beat those guys for those top athletes. And like I said, you can only sell hope for too long. You continue to get beat by 20. There's going to be uh, not going to be too hard for Kirby Smart to convince players that you guys will never get to that point. Yeah. Well, I guess we don't know. We could see a different team. We saw it last year, but the difference is when people talk about last year, I'm like, eh, the, the quality of competition is a little bit different in the second half this year versus uh, what Tennessee ran through last year. It uh, It's going to be a little bit different. They The schedule is a little bit different. Um, a lot of top 10 programs on this second half list that uh, yeah, little little scary there. Um, all right, man. Well, what, uh, what should we check out from you this week before we go? Yeah, we have a, uh, like I said, I kind of previewed the, or teased the uh, six stats that define the first half of Tennessee's season. And then uh, had a little baseball article yesterday. Tony Vitello uh, met with the media. So a little Tennessee baseball fall action. They got a freshman, Blade Tidwell. It's throwing, sitting at 95 to 98 right now. They're really excited about. So could be a guy to watch. And then next week we'll have all our usual game week coverage getting you ready for uh, Tennessee to face Arkansas. All right. Go check that out. Ryan, have a great Tennessee Vol list weekend. Um, I know I will. Uh, yeah, 
fingers crossed for the rest of the way. Maybe we get some Bailey. That's yeah. all I want. Just let's uh, let's get some hair. Probably Bailey. won't. But we'll Probably see. will not. But uh, I don't know. The fan base might just self-destruct because I don't know if Tennessee can handle the Boo Birds <laughs> down the stretch for weeks in and weeks out. Um, we shall see. But that is why the games are played so that we can see how they unfold. Um, Ryan, thank you so much, and uh, talk to you again soon. Yeah, appreciate you having me on.